you got a, got a Bible, go to Matthew 7, 6, verse, starting at verse 24. We are, we're walking through the Matthew and, uh, and John this summer, and what I felt like God said to me at the beginning of the summer was, may Jesus be large in our eyes and in our, and in our lives. Because when he takes up the full view of our life, things change. I change. Um, I get to experience him in a whole new way, and he starts doing things in my life that I never expected. So if you got a problem that feels bigger than your life, get, maybe Jesus needs to become bigger than that problem. And so that's what our cry is this summer. May God, may Jesus become large. Matthew 7, verses 24 through 27 says this, Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on a rock. And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and they beat on that house. But it did not fall, because it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat against that house, and it fell. And great was that fall of it. You know, this is the end near the end of Jesus preaching for, for two chapters. And in the beginning, he says things like, Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. He says things like, You have heard it said, um, You said, Don't, you know, do not murder, but I tell you, he who is angry at his brother has already committed a sin. There's parts in there like saying things like, like, This is how you should pray. Our Father who is in heaven, praise be your name. There's, there's things like, don't just take oaths to confirm what you're saying, but let your yes be yes and your no be no. In these two chapters, Jesus is saying, if you build your life upon my words and upon me, your life is going to be like a building being built on a rock whose foundation is sure, and the rains are going to come, the wind's going to blow, the flood's going to rise in your life, and you're not going to fall. We all have experienced and we have all met people where the rains came, the floods rose, the wind blew, and things got broken. Lives fell apart. Things happened. But I wanna, what I felt like God wanted to say in the, the title of this message today is that God has a blueprint. God has a plan for my life. Can we say that together? God has a plan for my life. It's a good plan. It's not a controlling plan. It's not a, well, I guess I better do these seven things and I'm not going to enjoy life plan. No, it's, a, it's an abundant, overflowing, wow, I was made for this plan. That's what he's made you and I for. God also has a plan not just for you individually and me individually, but for this body of believers together. Did you know that God has a specific thought in mind when he thinks of Blessed City Church? That he looks at this church and he goes, I have a specific purpose for this body of believers. 1 Corinthians 3, 9 through 15. Can you put that up on the, on the screen? For we are God's fellow workers. You and me, we're God's fellow workers. You're all on the construction train. Got it? You're God's field. You're God's building. According to the grace of God given to me, like a skilled master builder, I laid a foundation, and someone else is building upon it. Let each one take care how he builds upon it. 
For no one can lay a foundation other than that which is already laid, which is what? Say it again. Next slide. Is that it? I think that's it. Now, if anyone builds on the foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, or straw, each one's work will become manifest. It'll be made apparent. For the, for the day will disclose it because it will be revealed by fire. And the fire will test what sort of work each one has done. If the work that anyone has built on the foundation survives, he will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned up, he will suffer loss, though he himself will be saved, but only as through fire. What are you building? What is your life fostering? In this of all of your activity, in your day, in your life, in your world, you are a construction worker, you are a fellow worker, and you are building something. Now, you might be getting really good at Fortnite. Maybe, I don't know if there's any Fortnite players in this house. Or you might be working really hard at your career. You might be building up a family. You might be doing all sorts of things. But my question to you and my question to me is, am I following the blueprint? When God builds us up and when God builds up other things, he uses, and I'm sure there might be more things to this list, but I, I've thought of three this morning. And one was God uses us to build things in us and those around us. God uses preachers, so sometimes guys like me, I get up and I share something, and God uses it to build something. In that passage I just shared, Paul was saying, I laid a foundation. In other words, he shared Jesus with them. They accepted Jesus and said, wow, I'm going to make him the Lord and the Savior of my life. But that was just the foundation. Salvation is just like, hey, like, let's start. Now God's like, let's build something. Let's put up some walls. Let's, let's build some rooms. Let's, let's do something together. God looks at Bellingham and he's like, I got a plan. I got a blueprint for Bellingham. And each one of us has a role to play in building something. And each one of us is specifically skilled for a certain task. If you go to a construction site, it's not one or two guys typically that do the entire job. But you have guys who are really good at concrete work, and then you have different people that do the electrical, and you have different people that put in insulation and put up the walls, and different people that paint and roof and all these things. That's you. That's me. You have a specific role that I can't fill. I have a specific role that you can't fill. What has God commissioned you to do in the building of his purposes in Bless the City? In your family, in this city, what has he given and put into your hand? There's a blueprint. He's building something. Are you helping him build it? Ephesians 2.10, can you put that on the screen? For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Another way of saying this, that word workmanship or, or workmanship, he's saying this, we are his masterpiece. Now, I want to say this. Yes, we have a responsibility, but I'm so thankful God's working in me. God's transforming me. And if we allow him, he is really the master builder. So when you look at your life and maybe you look at your family or you look at your world and you're like, this is not how it should be. 
we so much just need to come to the Spirit of God and say, God, would you work your workmanship in me? Would you work your master craftsmanship in me? If I'm a masterpiece, God, this is a weird-looking masterpiece. Have you ever felt like that? Like, this does not seem like a masterpiece right now. But God's like, oh, you, you don't know. You haven't seen fully what I've done. You know, Michelangelo, I don't know if you guys know this story, but there's all these busts and all these big pieces of rock that Michelangelo would have. And you had this giant rock. You'd have a giant rock. And often he would stand before it and he would just stare at the rock. Not, not doing anything, he'd just stare at it. And people ask him what he's doing. He's like, I'm trying to free this sculpture. And he would stare at it. And then finally he'd figure out, okay, this, that's, that's an arm right there. That's the, that's the torso. And it would take forever, but he would finally free the sculpture so it would become what it is. A master craftsmanship takes his time. And what I feel like some of you need to hear this morning is that you're a work in progress, but you need to allow the master craftsman to take his time with the work. You're not complete yet, but would you give into the process to allow him to transform because he's probably just slowly chipping away, doing his work, but it takes time. I had, um, I had some pictures of some things of um, projects gone a little wrong. Could you just show that first picture? <laughs> so ATM machine might have been helpful, a little, little lower. Can you show the next one? I don't. I'm not sure on the design, what's going on here. Next one. Yeah, that's unfortunate. Puddle everywhere, drain, not getting anything. That's, that would have been helpful if there wasn't a railing around the hydrant. Next one. Yeah, that's awesome. Show the next one. Yeah, that's a great baseball game right there. Let's show the next one. <laughs> Can anyone say lawsuit? Got another one. Yeah. That's, that's called a throne right there. I mean, I show, that, I show that to make this point. God has a design and a blueprint for my life. And sometimes we start building things too. And so God has this purpose and he's building things in you and he's doing stuff. But sometimes we get a little impatient ahead of the game. So we start building stuff. Or things happen to us or whatever, and suddenly God designed us to be a beautiful park bench on the side of the road, but we just put up a fence. The Spirit of God has a perfect design for you and for me, but He wants our partnership in the process for what He wants to build. What does God want to build with you? How has He designed you to be? How does He design this body to be? How has He designed your family to be? He's holding a blueprint. Have you heard him share with you what he wants to do? I, I know this much because I was processing this thought of am I 
Like, you might be in a thought of, like, well, am I on point with what I'm created to be? Am I not on point with what I'm created to be? Am I, have I found my purpose? Have I not found my purpose? Am I, am I walking in it? Did I lose it? Did I mess it up? Whatever, all that stuff. And a few thoughts came to mind. One, you know you're walking in your purpose and your passion, well, what you're made for. There should be joy and excitement in your heart. When that's lacking, we tend to try to manufacture it. Perfect example, about 10, 10, 15, I think it was about 10 years ago, maybe a little longer. I was working as a shovel driver at a, at a hotel. And I would take people, the guests, to different places all across the city. And there was four guys, and they really, really wanted to go um, to a strip club. And I'm like, well, this is not what I signed up for. And I was really conflicted. I didn't know what to do. And I ended up dropping these guys off. And I dropped these guys off, and I said, hey, guys, I will be here at 9 o'clock outside. Don't be late. I need you outside. I drop them off, and sure enough, I come back at 9 a.m. Or 9 p.m. 9 p.m. <laughs> and they're not outside. And I'm sitting in this shuttle car, and I'm like, what do I do? And I'm like, I can't believe I'm about to do it. So I, I'm like, I'm praying in tongues, and I'm like, I guess I, I got to get these guys. This is not what I signed up for. So I walk up to the strip club, and if you want to kick me out for being a pastor, we can talk about that after, but we'll finish this story first. And I walk up to the door, I open the door, and there's a bouncer sitting there, and I walk in, and I'm like, oh, praise God, there's no naked women anywhere. Thank you, Jesus. And I stand there, and there's a few people, there's a, there was a bar, there was um, just a couple people, and there was this bouncer, this big old black man, and get this, he says this to me. I am so bored. I'm like, interesting. And then playing over the loudspeaker was a song, and there was this one line in the song, you might know it. It says this, I'd rather feel pain than nothing at all. I was sitting there, and you think about it, a place like that is supposed to be intended, people, it's advertised as a place of excitement, a place of whatever, all that stuff. And guess what? They were bored. And the song playing over the loudspeaker was, I'd rather feel pain than nothing at all. Guys, this is what the world is trying to do. In our, in our food, in our entertainment, in our sex, in our experiences, it's everything to the max. Why? We need purpose. We need excitement. We need something to thrill us and revive us. But all of those things won't do it. It's a temporary shy, a, a temporary high that diminishes each and every time. Why do you think addiction becomes so big? Because we're looking for purpose and fulfillment. So we shop a little longer. We watch the show a little more. We go on a more extreme adventure we try all these things, and there's always this diminishing return each time because it was never meant to be your fulfillment. And this is the world, and the world, this is all the world knows. I'm going to keep trying for these things, and there's this diminishing turn to the end that you have songs like, I'd rather feel pain than nothing at all because I don't even feel anything anymore. I'm numb. When you know your purpose in God, there is a joy and an excitement in your heart that is not manufactured, that's not built up. It's not something you conjure up. It's something you walk in because you're partnering with the living God for what you're made for. Passion, excitement, 
joy. The second thing is you have direction. I was in Nicaragua several years ago, and, and I was trying to search for, God, what do you have for my life? And uh, there was this lady, this older lady, that they say, when she prays, you hear from God. I'm like, well, cool. I need to hear from God because I have no clue what I'm doing in my life. We go in, and she pulls out a guitar, and we start singing, like, little kid songs. And she's, like, has us making actions, like, Father Abraham had many sons. So we're singing, like, many sons said, Father Abraham. Anyway, we're singing all these songs, drinking a little pop. I feel like a kid, like a five-year-old kid sitting there. And she starts going around and praying for people, and she gets to me, and I'm like, oh, God, would you talk to me through this lady? Would you talk to me? And she says, oh, I see that God wants to use you. And I'm like, yes. Like, and I'm thinking, like, she's going to give me the next thing of what I need to do. God wants you to know, and I'm thinking, like, come on, come on. God wants you to know that you need to be humble. Well, for crying out loud, God, that doesn't answer my question. And I was sitting there like, my goodness, like, God, what do you have for my life? Where am I going? What am I doing? And I realized in the process of this, God's direction for my life is not a project. God might have, and he will have, projects for you along the way. People you're called to be with. You're called to be a father. You're called to be a mother. You're called to be a sister. You're called to be a good neighbor. But that isn't what you were made for. You see... The direction of your life, first and foremost, is to be known and to know. And God gives us projects, because how many know that you get to know people the best when you're on the way somewhere with somebody? When you're on that road trip that takes 18 hours. When you're working on that project that never ends. When the car breaks down, when things happen, that's when you get to know people. So God gives you and me assignments. Not because he really needs you to do something for him. He's, he's quite adequate on his own. He doesn't need your help or my help. No. He wants you to know him. He wants you to partner with him. So he pulls you closer and says, hey son, hey daughter, I got an assignment for you. I want you to go hang out with your neighbor and be an encouragement to them. Why does he want you to do that? Because he cares about the neighbor? Yes, but he more importantly wants you to know his heart. Passion, excitement, but the second thing that people have that have purpose is they have this inner knowing and walking with God that the direction of their life is married to this, I'm walking with him in what I'm doing. He has an assignment for me today and tomorrow. Your assignment will always change, but your calling always stays the same. That's to know him. And when that is the centerpiece, you could care less whether you're picking up trash or being the president of the United States because you're doing it with him. The third thing I thought about this was, was the idea of work, and I thought a lot about that lately. You know, when you don't have purpose, when you don't have direction in your life, what you really want is to be able not to work. It'd be really great to get past the work so I don't have to. I want to make enough money so I don't have to work anymore. But when you have purpose and passion in your heart, you wake up wanting to work. Because you have something you're going to go do. You have a purpose in your day. You're not trying to get out of things. You're not trying to just, I just want to relax now. No, you, you're, you're excited because there's a reason what you're doing. You're walking with him. 
How do you know you're walking in God's purpose? There's excitement and there's joy. Two, there's a sense of direction where you're walking with God. And third, there is a purpose in your working. All of that because God puts his dream in our heart and then we put it in our hands. John 15, verses 1 through 6. If you've got a Bible, go there. Hey, Jason, can you check the AC and just see if it's still on? John 15, 1 says, I am the true vine, and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, that it might become more fruitful. Already you are clean because of the word that I've spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. You can't find purpose. You cannot find your purpose apart from doing it relationally with God. Why do I know that? Because I've tried a whole bunch. I have found that, you ever done this where you've prayed and said, God, show me what I'm called to do in my life in this season. What do you have for me? And you try to ask God a big question, and it feels like you get no answer. I think part of the reason why we don't get a good answer is because if he told you your whole purpose of what he has for you in this season, often what we would do, we'd say, we'd say God, thank you very much. See you later. Got to go. And we would step into this plan, this thing, and we'd be like, man, this is great. And God's like, the point was never just for you to go do some stuff for me, but the point was for you to do it with me. And so God gives you the next step. And then the next step. Because this is a relational thing, this is not a task thing. If you abide in me, you will bear much fruit. If you don't abide in me, what happens? You shrivel up. Think about the things that you want to see happen in your life. Are you trying to do it through your own ability? Or are you coming to God and saying, God, help. Are you taking a space and saying, God, what do you think about this part of my life? What do you think about what you have for me? Are you willing to go a little slower so you can hear him? Then a little faster because you're worried that it won't happen. This is where there's this concept in the Bible and this actual command from God to rest. That we actually, God says this. This is right up there with do not murder. Get this out. He said you shall rest. Why? I think a big part of this resting is one, we stop and we recognize, wow, look what God has done. Two, we recognize we are not our source. Your paycheck is not what provides the bills. God is. And third, the other thing that happens when I come to a posture of rest, I hear better. When I stop and I take a space to worship God weekly and stop and go, God, what do you have for me? And I say, thank you. And I listen to him. He then gives me the next step. But if I don't stop to listen, I might not hear the next step. Make a space for that. Two, three weeks ago, Jason Hubbard came. Anybody was here for that? And he, he gave four things that I think we all really need in our life. And he said this. He used the acronym PRAY. And remember the first one? P was pause. R was 
rejoice. A was ask, and Y was yield. P, pause. Put on some worship music. Quiet your heart. Quiet the space. Stop everything. God, I'm making a space to hear. Two, rejoice. Before you start asking God for stuff, before you start doing anything, stop and go, what can I be thankful for? What has God done? Who is he? That's going to put your heart in the right posture. Next, ask. Bring your honest heart to God and recognize that you are brought in, that he, you as a son and a daughter, somebody that God delights in, he already wants to hear what you have to say. So come with a posture of faith. God already knows and he cares. Ask. And why, why yield? Open your Bible. Come with a posture of faith that says, God, talk to me. Read it and go, okay, God, I'm not going to do it my way. I'm going to do it your way. I'm going to listen to you. Write it down and say, God, I want to partner with you in this thing. P-R-A-Y. In that first Corinthians passage, he said this whole thing about be careful to build on that foundation. And that foundation is Jesus Christ. When we don't build on Christ, when we try to build something in our own effort, I have found this to be very true. When Jeremy builds something, it's going to take Jeremy to maintain it. When God builds something, it takes God to maintain it. How many know that God always maintains what he builds? If you want to be really tired, do things on your own. If you want to see things of eternity happen, spend more time in the pause, the waiting, the resting, the, the P-R-A-Y, Take that space and say, God, what do you want to build with me today? What do you want to do with me and through me today? And you'll find that what gets built is more eternal. You'll find that it fosters more life. It says this later in, in that same passage. It says this. There's going to be an inspection. Any of you construction guys know about inspections? The county inspector comes through and he looks at your electrical and he looks at your lighting and your foundation and says, wetlands. I mean, that was a joke, but anyway. <laughs> it's not up to code. This is not how it should be. This wall isn't here. You got you to gotta knock this out. You got to change this. And I've heard so many people complain about inspect inspections. Jesus walks through your and my life. The Spirit of God walks through our life. And he inspects things. Now let me say this. He's not trying with a clipboard and say, oh, you failed here, you failed here, you failed here. That's not the purpose of the inspection. The purpose of the inspection is just like that whole thing with Matthew 7, 25. The winds come, the rains fall, the floods rise, and what happens to the house built on the rock? It stays firm. But the house that's not built correctly, what happens? The walls fall. Trauma comes. Struggle comes. So every now and then, God will come into your life and he'll point a, picture, a finger on something. And this is not his desire to condemn you or frustrate you or put you down. No, he is coming lovingly so that you won't have the great fall. It says this in the book of Hebrews. 12, 5, and 6. 
And have you forgotten the encouragement that addresses you as sons and daughters? My son, don't regard lightly the discipline of the Lord. Don't, or don't be weary when he corrects you. Oh man, I don't think any of us like it when we're corrected. I remember sitting at the dinner table with my parents and I would be eating with my mouth open and my mom would be like, don't do that. I put my elbows on the table and my parents were like, don't do that. And I would get so frustrated. And, and this is the role of a parent, right? A role of a parent is to bring encouragement and correction and to help guide the kid into the right space. And your heavenly father wants to do the same thing for you. But it doesn't always feel too nice. Several years ago, I was a youth pastor, and then my pa- the pastor walked up to me one day and said, Hey, Jeremy, I uh, just want you to know we're out of money. We have to let you go. Lost my job. Had this big dream to do all this ministry stuff and church stuff, and I'm like, well, I ended up becoming a bellman. That's the whole story of the shuttle driver and stuff. I had a bunch of credit card debt. I moved home. I'm 26 years old. I'm super bummed out. And the only thing I can do is I get a temporary job. I get a bunch of different jobs. I'm kind of ticked at life. I get a temporary job as a shipping and receiving clerk with Madrona Medical Clinic. Now, nobody needs me to preach a sermon. Nobody cares that I like to talk to lots of people. Nobody needs me to rally or do anything. Nobody needs me for any of the strengths that I provide. In fact, what they need me for is in all the places where I'm weak. They need me to be really organized, put things where they belong. They, they need me to count things well and accurately. They need me to be more... So we have a staff meeting one day, and my boss pulls everybody together and says this. So I just want you guys to know that the purpose of our staff meeting today is to help Jeremy do his job better. <laughs> Jeremy, are you paying attention? Yep. Where's your pen and paper? Right here, boss. Uh, Ken, what do you have to say? Well, you know, I just see that Jeremy's very disorganized. He kind of leaves things everywhere. Jeremy, you writing that down? Yep. (laughs) Number two. Yeah, I I find that Jeremy's not always on time. He doesn't always. So, and they went all the way around the room, and they were just, yep, yep, yep. I think I did one thing right in that season that I would encourage each one of you to do. When God brings correction in your life, don't get offended. Don't take it as an attack. Take it as an opportunity. I looked around that space, and there was no one that wanted a sermon. There was nobody that needed me to play guitar There was nothing that I was excited about doing. I didn't even get to talk people. I just organized boxes. I hated it. I'm doing all my shipping and receiving work, and I load up the truck, and I go in the elevator, and I have my stuff, and I had about 42 drop-off points, and I would go from station to station, dropping off boxes. And I remember the beginning of this one day. I'm in the elevator, and I'm complaining to God. And I said, God, this is stupid. I got a four-year degree, and I'm schlepping around boxes. You know what God said to me? You be faithful. In other words, knock it off. I'm like, fine, I'll be faithful. (laughs) I was mad. I was mad, and I was scared. I felt like uh, maybe I'm never going to actually amount to anything. Maybe I am 
destined to be nothing. Maybe I am just weak and nothing and I can't do anything. But there was this thing in my heart that said, no, my God made me for something. He hasn't abandoned me. There's a blueprint. And I really don't like where I am, but I'm going to be faithful where I am. And so I was like, well, I guess this is my ministry. And I started praying for the people at each drop-off station. I got started to get to know them. And I worked really hard at getting more organized. And I got better at counting. And I, I did all this stuff. And I pushed in to the simple, small space that I was given. And in that, I can see that God did this in me. He was preparing me for now. It says in the word of God, do not despise the day of small beginnings. Are you embracing what God has given you now? Because it's preparing you for the purpose that he has for you later. Will you embrace the places of correction and the places of, this is not fun. Because if you will, if you will not get offended, God will build something in your life that will change you and transform the world around you. It's almost like God comes into our life and he does deconstruction. Have you ever felt that? You built all this stuff and God's like, yeah, we got to knock this down. We got to take this out. We're going to knock this out. And God comes with this sledgehammer and he takes it and he burns things and takes things out. And we're like, I spent a lot of time on that. He's like, I know. But in that season, God started doing some things in me. He started killing my love for the stage. He started killing my desire to be known and be famous and do lots of cool stuff. And my love and my passion for him started to take over. Now, now I'll, I'll say this. He keeps doing more reconstruction to me because I still get desires out of place and all that stuff. But if I will not get offended and if I will lean into the places where God puts a finger on my heart and says, hey, Jeremy, this has got to go. Did you know that he'll help you do it too? He brought me through a whole season. I didn't even know how to grow in those spaces, but he brought people and circumstances in my life that that staff meeting that one day where I sat with a notepad and they said all the things that I had, didn't have together that turned out to be one of the most blessed times of my life because it shifted me into where I needed to go. God wants to do some deconstruction. Everyone who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell and the, and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house, but it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. And anyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rains fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat against the house and it fell and great was the fall of it. The foolish man builds his house on the sand and, and what I'm learning about that place of the sand is there's rock down there but you got to dig for it. The foolish man just starts building. He just starts putting up walls, doing stuff. But God wants to take out the shovel and go, this, this has got to go. Your trust in yourself has got to go. Your, your pride in what you're trying to do has got to go. Your, your method and your plan, it's, it's got to go. We're going to dig a little deeper until we hit some rock. And that rock is a dependence 
on Jesus in every aspect of our life. And so God takes the shovel out and he's like, can I dig here? I won't do it unless you let me. But you want me to dig here? Hey, Nick, could you pop up? That's my question to you. Do you see the blueprint that God has for you? And if your answer is no, I have no idea. My hunch is he has told you the next step. Because I find God always gives an opportunity for us to come in alignment with him. So my guess is you know the first step of what he's calling you to step into. Sometimes it's as simple as God bringing a slight word of correction like, hey, Jeremy, I want you to step back into the place of humility. Other times it might be, and I found this to be true, when God wants to do something new in your life, often he brings new relationships. There might be people in this circle that God highlights that he wants you to spend some time with. Why? Because God's done something in their heart that you need in yours. And obviously, it's always the simple place of coming to God daily with your Bible and a notepad and saying, oh God, I'm a piece of work. Would you have your way in my life? I'm going to pause. I'm going to rejoice in you. I'm going to ask. And I'm going to yield. What do you say to me today? And I promise you, if you step into that space, he's going to talk. And then he's going to say, hey son, hey daughter, let's build some things. He's made you to live a passion-filled, excited life with clear direction that you wake up with a sense of purpose in your work and you could say, I don't even care if they paid me for this. I was made for this. That's what we're called to be stepping into. A partnership with God where daily, relationally, we're building something with our King. I went to a funeral of my... uh, my sister's father-in-law, this is, what was that? How many years ago did, did Maholski die? Three, four years ago. Sarah came a little while ago. She ministered here. We sat at the front row on the side, and the granddaughter got up, and she sang, It is well with my soul. Tears running down her face. This, this 13-year-old's face. Tears running down her face. Because she was so deeply impacted by her great-grandpa. Something like 1,400 churches were planted through this guy's life. The room was filled with leaders and people that have been totally impacted, experienced God through their person's life. Someday, each one of us is going to stand before God. It says that everything, all of the life work, all that we have is going to be right before us. Gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, stubble. And the fire is going to reveal what it is. We're going to stand before God and the fire is going to come. And you know what's going to remain? That which is eternal. That which was built upon the rock. All the other stuff, blow away. But it's all in this place of partnership with him. It's all in our simple yes that we just simply say, God, I don't, I don't have it all figured out. 
but I'm going to bring you my honest yes to you today. I come and I bring my weak faith to you today. I'm going to come and I'm going to give you my, this 47 seconds I have in the morning before my shift starts. I'm going, to, I'm going to come with everything that I have and simply say, I'm pausing, I'm rejoicing, God, I'm asking, I'm yielding. And then God takes the shovel out. Let's dig down until we get to, to some bedrock. I want your trust to be founded in me. And when you get to that space, then God's like, let's build. And he starts building something in your life that's eternal. It's going to last a lifetime. If everybody could just stand on up. We're not built to just try to be good. We're built for a purpose. You were designed to do something eternal that would transform your family, your world around you. The Spirit of God wants to partner with you to build some stuff. But he might want to do some deconstruction. And he might want to dig down to that place of bedrock. Every eye closed. you're open this morning this is a scary prayer if you're open to God doing some deconstruction in your life, could you just lift your hand <laughs> that's so scary, oh man be, be careful God I pray for every one of us with a hand raised this morning and I, I pray specifically for those God that also don't have a hand raised I thank you God that you are a gentle God and you don't do anything except for our benefit can we just say this all together? Holy Spirit. A little louder. Holy Spirit. What do you see in me? Let's just take a second. God, we just, uh, we just come and we just say, Holy Spirit, would you examine our hearts and our lives today? What we have built, what we have done, all of our time spent. Let's just say this all together. Holy Spirit, build whatever, tear down whatever, have your way in me. One more time. Holy Spirit, build whatever, tear down whatever, have your way in me. Here's how it works. Tomorrow, or maybe even right now, God will put a simple word, a simple thing of obedience, but he's calling you and me to walk into. It might be dealing with an offense. It might be something about your job. It might be a relational thing, whatever. But the power comes when we say yes. The eternal things are built when we say yes. And we just put a hand on your heart. Don't you imagine you're about to fall asleep and it's, it's the end of the day. God, I pray for dreams. God, I pray that you would flood this room with, that, with dreams from your heart. God, we don't want to build things that are just ours. We, we want to partner with you into something amazing. So God, I pray dreams for family. Dreams, God, in business. Dreams in ministry. All of it, dreams. God, I pray that you would awaken your dreams in our hearts, God. We want to build something with you. I ask, God, for the blueprint. 
God, for each one of our heart to be revealed to each one of us, God, that we would partner with you in being made into what you've called us to be. And could you just stretch out your hands to heaven? God, we pray also over Blessed City Church and this space. The role that each one of us has. The thing that you want to do with this. Just say this with me. Holy Spirit, build whatever. Tear down whatever. Have your way in us. One more time. Holy Spirit, build whatever. Tear down whatever. Have your way in us. God has a purpose and a plan for this place. And God's just looking for our yes. So God, we just come to you this morning with our yes, with our hearts wide open.